morning. Good to see you in the Lord's house on this cool winter morning. Spring's coming. God willing. So that's nice. And then you have to go out and start doing yard work. So enjoy your winter time, you know. Of course, now you have to shovel snow, maybe. <laughs> but that's the way it is in life. The Lord said we're not going to have an easy life. He told us that in the book of Genesis. And uh, so I guess there are a lot of people who would like to have an easy life. <clears throat> God's good to us, though. We have many things to be thankful for this week. God's been good to us. Good to see you all here. Everybody, good to see you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all we can look back upon this past week. And thank you over and over. Pray you be with us in this service this morning in the Sunday school and every Sunday school class. Help our pastor, associate pastor, pastor and wife while they're away working. Keep your hand on them and uh, undertake for each need. You know what they all are in our church, among our people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Continuing the book of Romans. Today's uh, lesson entitled, More Than Conquerors. The lesson is taken from Romans chapter 8, 26 to 39. The key verse is, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, there's so much in that verse. If we could just help people to see that God loves the world. It's love. He cares. He loves us. Loved us enough to give us his only son. It's all about love, folks. God is love. The central truth of the lesson is God's grace enables us to have victory over all of life's difficulties. We can have victory. Isn't that great? Victory. We want to see victory in the world today. There are wars going on in the world now. We want to see victory over the wickedness in the world. Victory is the life of Christ reigning triumphantly in every portion of our being and in every one of our relationships. It's a quote from Dr. Stanley Jones. In a publication called The Bible Friend, to live victoriously Think less of the power of things over you and more of the power of Christ in you. God wants us to be victors, not victims. To soar and not to sink. To overcome, not to be overwhelmed. 
Amen. We could be so easily overwhelmed. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, the song says. Let's sing that together. Number 44. Great is thy faithfulness. Number 44 in your hymnals.
crystal. You know, and that song just talks about, it's an encouraging song, isn't it? Gives us encouragement that the Lord is faithful. We can rely on him. There are so many things nowadays we feel like, oh, I can't rely on that. I can't rely on this person or that person. I can't rely on the news to tell me the truth. <laughs> uh, I can't rely on some medical advice that we get. <laughs> you know, we just have to be aware on our own of the truth around us and things and so forth. But anyway, God is great. God is faithful. Um, birthdays and anniversaries this week. Haley Vincent, Karen Lehman, and Carol Young. Okay, happy birthday to all of those. Announcements, we have the Central Pennsylvania Youth Convention starting, uh, I think, Wednesday if I have it right, 24th through the 28th. The bus outreach convention is in March, March 5 through 7. It's going to be at Lebanon this year. And, of course, the youth convention is at Beavertown. Uh, prayer, prayer on Saturday evening, remember that? All right, 8.30. Pray for families, pray for souls. And uh, a church praying for this week would be Mountain Road God's Missionary Church with Pastor Alan Stump, our own Alan Stump is pastoring there. That's a couple that's amazing, I think. Anyway, all right, so those are the announcements. And um, let's do pray for Alan and his wife, and they have a little one now, and they have a big job there at Mountain Road Church. Let's pray for our pastor while he's away. Pastor and wife, pray for Brother Bren Iser and Brother Susan as they minister to us um, for prayer requests. Um, all right, so any other uh, outspoken requests that you want to mention this morning? All right, now let's remember every Sunday school teacher. Let's remember Brother uh, Dutry this morning who's going to be speaking to us from God's Word in the lesson this morning, so pray for him. Um, and um, pray for those who are not well among us. We keep thinking of remembering Doris. Remember um, Dave Beach, who I believe you had, had, a, had a procedure this week. Pray for Brother and Sister Arendt. And uh, all those amongst us, we're continuing to remember Anna. All right, so we have many, many to pray for. Keep remembering my sister, Mary. She's been in rehabilitation, and they actually got her to stand up. So that's good. You don't know. I mean, she can't. She got to the point she couldn't even walk. She couldn't stand. She couldn't. <laughs> anyway, thank the Lord she's making progress. Many names on the back of our bulletin. And um, so let's remember those. Other needs, the bus, and bus ministry, outreach ministry, let's keep praying for that. That is a vital, vital ministry of the church. Yes. I get into public schools, I see the students, I think, boy, they need the Lord. 
And so if they're going out knocking on doors, getting young people to come to church Sunday evenings, plant some seeds in their mind and their hearts about the things of God, making them aware that God is should be in their thoughts and in their mind and in their heart. All right, so let's remember that in prayer. All right, so let's stand together and just pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to come before you in prayer this morning. We pray you be with us, Lord, and continue to be with those we've mentioned right now out loud. Continue to be with Anna. Continue to touch her this morning, Sister Hoffman and Brother Hoffman. And, and we pray, Lord, you'll be with others who have not been well. Touch them in body. Bring them to church. Help them to be encouraged. Bring them, raise them up. Be in, help them to have strength. We think of Dave, Dave Beachel, touch him, encourage him. And uh, be with Sister Aaron this morning and Henry as he tries very violently to take care of her. And he's had his own physical problems. We pray you'll touch him, Lord. Lord, be with our pastor and wife while they're away serving. Keep your hand on them. Bring them home safe and sound. Uh, give them, uh, Lord, a spiritual strengthening, even through the work that they're doing. Be with Brother Dutry, Brother Dutry this morning as he gives us the lesson. Be with Brother Brent Iser as he speaks. And anyone else who's helping in the ministry here this morning and this evening. Lord, in every Sunday school class, go up and down the hallway and visit each classroom and make it, Lord, a spiritual experience, a strengthening, a growth. And then tonight with the junior church, Lord, with the bus ministry, help all those that are involved, bless them for all their labors, Lord, all the hard work. Keep your hand on them, Lord, and helping them. In the, uh, in the bus ministry this evening, helping every one of our endeavors, Lord, that we will do our, what we, our best to serve you and be all you'd have us to be. Be with the GMC Church in, at Mountain Road and help the Stumps with the big job they have to do there. Lord, you can give them the grace and help and wisdom and guidance, determination and strength to do what they need to do to be servants there in your church at Mountain Road. So, Lord, be with us and undertake for us. Help in every need. We did not ask for upraised hands, but, Lord, you know each one of the needs that our folks have, and you're well aware of it, and they've been praying. A number of us have been praying. We pray you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated, and we'll have the offering at this time. And let's continue to remember Brother Dutry this morning as he gives us the lesson.
Good morning to each of you. Good to see everyone in Sunday school this morning. I need to remember those that are not able to be here today. We're glad you're here. And uh, I'm sure there's some uh, that are online listening to our services today. Thank the Lord for a good week. And I, I'm enjoying the sunshine this morning. Um, I know it's cold, but it's winter. <laughs> I'm just happy when the sun shines. Let's put it that way. And I understand we're going to have a warm-up this week. So uh, I can't say I'm looking forward to all the rain, but uh, the warmer temperatures will, will be good. will be good. All right. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We can come to your house to worship you. Thank you for the strength that you gave us this week and for the help. And uh, I'm sure if we went around the sanctuary this morning, there'd be many answers to prayer. And for that, we give you praise. Be with those that are not able to be here today and help us as we study your word. That this lesson might be an encouragement to all of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I start the lesson this morning, I just want to say publicly, I've already told Brother Michael um, personally, but I want to say publicly that I, I really wholeheartedly appreciated last week's Sunday school lesson. And I, I say I wholeheartedly agree uh, with the assessment and the interpretation of uh, Romans, of his... Romans 6 and 7. Um, I think sometimes uh, we blame the carnal nature uh, for some of our actions that simply come from an unregenerate heart. Okay? We blame the carnal nature. When we are saved, we just quit doing some things, right? Typically, uh, typically a saved person, uh, but maybe not a sanctified person, uh, will will suppress the carnal nature. I mean, we don't. If you're saved, you're not going to haul off like he said and throw a, throw a chair at the door. Okay, when you're not sanctified, you typically suppress that carnal nature. In fact, you know things like pride and jealousy and envy, or or even possibly anger, uh, may not even visibly be present. You know, you can be jealous and no one knows it, and so forth. So. Um, the carnal nature is still there and it needs to be eradicated. And I want to go on record saying this morning that we still believe in two distinct works of grace Amen. as a holiness church. And they both work. They both work. Uh, when I was a student at Penview, one of the Bible courses I took uh, was Romans. And I went back this week, and believe it or not, uh, 40 years, maybe more than that, I still have notes from Brother McIntyre's class on Romans. And I looked at them. Some of them were so faded, honestly, I couldn't read them. Uh, But I remember 
One of the papers we had to write was on Romans 6 and 7. And uh, we, we were asked to take one of two interpretations that Brother Michael talked about last week. Uh, one where Paul was writing uh, from a sinful heart needing salvation, and the other that Paul was uh, wrestling with the sin nature and needed to be sanctified. So in my discourse, I wrote on the opinion that Paul was speaking about the need for sanctification. That's what I wrote on you should have seen my paper when Brother McIntyre was done. Did, did you have Brother McIntyre, Michael? Yeah, you're, you're old enough to remember those days. Uh, you would get a paper back, and there was more red ink on the paper than there was the blue ink that you wrote the paper with. Now, if I recall, I, I did get a good grade because uh, I, I explained my point. Uh, but he totally blew it up. He totally destroyed uh, my uh, my works. He just blew it into oblivion. Just so. Well, enough said about that. Uh, let's look at today's lesson. More than conquerors. Uh, I want to spend most of our time this morning on the key verse. Uh, says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. As I looked at the uh, enormity of this lesson, I realized that in 45 minutes I would never get through it, uh, nor even begin to. So I decided that I want to concentrate on this key verse and the message that goes with it, I want to talk to us about how we can live victorious lives as Christians. And it is possible to live a victorious life. The first thing I want to look at is the word conqueror. Now the dictionary definition of conqueror is a victor. One who subdues by superior force. We've often heard the phrase, victory is sweet. Uh, we live in a world where everyone likes to think of themselves as winners. Uh, you know, when I play a game, I strive to be the winner. And sometimes it's at the expense of other players in the game. Yep. I am a competitor by nature. I don't like to lose, Lance. I don't. I don't like to lose. I play games to win. I take losing personally. I, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons I'm not as big a fan as a uh, big a fan of team games, okay? Uh, I want my actions to determine whether I win the game or not. And uh, you know, if, if, I, if I produce a victory because of my actions, that's wonderful. But if I lose, you know, <laughs> that's my own fault, okay? So I don't like to lose a game because of other players on my team. We all like to be victors. And I think we all understand what it means to be a conqueror. Now, the question is, what does it mean to be more? than a conqueror. 
Uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, the key verse of our lesson, the entire clause there that says we are more than conquerors, in, in the Greek it's actually one word in the Greek. It's a big word, hypernikomen. In the Greek, it's, it's a compound of hyper, which in the Latin means super or above, hyper. Now, when we think of hyper, <laughs> we get a totally different idea. So if your child is hyper, maybe the child is superior, okay? And then the other part of the word nikeo uh, comes from the word nike, which means victory. So to be more than a conqueror literally means to be a super victor. Super victor. Now, Paul did not believe in just barely getting by, okay? He, he didn't believe in just barely holding his head above water. He experienced the more abundant life which Jesus said he came to bring in St. John chapter 10, verse 10, where he said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So we can have life. We can also have more abundant life. Someone once described more than conquerors this way. They said, we are winning a most glorious victory. A most glorious victory. There are numbers of stories in the Bible which I believe portray the idea of more than conqueror. Think about David for a minute. He was a victor when he slew Goliath. He was a victor. But when he drew the sword and cut off his head, to me, he became more than a conqueror. It was one thing to knock him down. It was another thing to cut the head off. That was final. He was more than a conqueror. When the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, they were conquerors through Christ, through God. They became more than conquerors when the Egyptian army tried it, and they were drowned. The children of Israel were more than conquerors. I think about Samson. Samson. Remember he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> That's hard for me to, to imagine. To kill a thousand men? You mean God was, with, God was with Samson, and Samson was a conqueror. But when Samson took the pillars of the temple and pulled them down, he killed more people at his death, the Bible says, than what he did in his life. To me, that's more than a conqueror. There's a lot of other ones that I thought of. Uh, I thought of Daniel. You know, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God protected him, and he was a conqueror. When he came out of that den unscathed in the morning, he was a conqueror. 
But Daniel and his God became more than conquerors when the men that snitched on him were thrown in there and the lions took care of him in a hurry. That's being more than a conqueror. What about Elijah? Remember Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. God answered his prayer and completely uh, took care of the, the sacrifice and the fire and the water and everything. It was licked up. But when the prophets of Baal were destroyed, completely destroyed, then Elijah was more than a conqueror. In 1 Samuel we read where a group of women danced and sang the song that Saul had killed his thousands. That's being a conqueror. But then they said, but David has killed his tens of thousands. That's being more than a conqueror. You get the idea already this morning about what a conqueror is, more than a conqueror? If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find a whole long list of men and women who were more than conquerors. That's why they call it the Hall of Fame chapter. Only the more than conquerors get into the Hall of Fame in the Bible. I was thinking about some of the great conquerors of all times, or maybe I should say more modern times. Anybody ever hear of the man called Genghis Khan? He was without a doubt one of the greatest conquerors of, of, of more modern times. Uh, he, in fact, changed the course of history with his small little horseman army as he built an empire that spread all the way from China to Europe. I'd call that more than conquer. Uh, from 336 to 323 B.C., Alexander the Great not only conquered most of the known world at the time, but he also was responsible to spread Greek culture from Egypt to India. He spread Greek culture in his conquering. That's being more than a conqueror. We could mention others, Napoleon, Cyrus the Great, and uh, we could even talk about Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini, those that uh, were, were conquerors in their time. However, Jesus Christ is the greatest conqueror that ever lived on this earth. Christ is the great conqueror. When he died and the veil was rent in twain, he became the conqueror over sin and death. The songwriter said, Lo, he is the mighty conqueror. But when Jesus rose from the grave, he then became more than a conqueror. The work was finished when he rose from the grave. So with the remaining moments of the lesson, I want to talk to you a little bit about being more than a conqueror in this present world. We can do it. We can be more than conquerors through Christ. A gentleman by the name of Bless Ellis. Boy, what, what a name that is. How would you like to be, your name to be Bless? Bless. Well, this is what he said one time. He, he was talking about the eagle. You know, we like, we like stories about the eagle. Uh, 
the eagle is the champion of the bird world. Okay? An eagle is known for its ability to soar far above the earth. Did you know this? The only bird that dares to peck an eagle is the crow. The only bird that dares to peck the eagle. Uh, he sits on the eagle's back and bites his neck and picks at him. The eagle doesn't respond. He doesn't fight with the crow. He just opens his wings and begins to rise higher and higher and higher. And he gets up there to that elevation where the crow can't breathe anymore. And the crow drops off. Wow, there, there's a powerful lesson in that right there. Uh, we need to learn from the eagle. Just don't fight the crows. Just keep on ascending. They might be along for the ride, but they'll, they'll fall off. They'll fall off. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. God is able to give us grace this morning that will enable us to have victory over all of life's difficulties. And we all suffer from the difficulties of life. Some people suffer physically. And God knows right now we have several in our congregation that are really struggling physically. And God knows, God knows. He's able to give us victory. We can rise above the circumstances of life through the grace of God and through faith in his son. I believe the first thing we need to understand this morning when it comes to being more than a conqueror is we need to understand who our adversary is. All right? It's hard to win a war if you don't know who you're fighting. Okay, there's no need, there's no need to, to win a war if you're not fighting at some point. We all know this morning that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, and all things are possible through him. But the fact remains this morning that we do have an enemy. We have an enemy out there. The Bible says that he walks to and fro, to and fro. I'm not even going to try it again. He walks throughout the earth trying to seek those that he may devour. We also know that he comes around as an angel of light uh, in an effort to deceive us. Sometimes he presents like a sheep in wolf's clothing. Now, being more than a conqueror in a battle means we achieve overwhelming victory. It's just like playing a game. All right, you can, you, there's victory. You can squeak by in a game by one point, and you're the victor. But boy, when you can blow the other team out, they don't even score any points, and it's a shutout. That's being more than a conqueror. The devil may fight us, but he's no match for Christ, the Christ that lives within us. And because Christ is living within us, 
We can resist the devil, the Bible says. And he doesn't have a choice. He has to flee. He has to flee. There are many things the devil tries to use to trip us up. Now, some things he tries on you might not work on me. And some things he tries on me might not work on you. But I believe the first way you can have victory over Satan is to have a continual awareness of the battle. Did you get that? You have to have an awareness of the battle. You can fight off the devil's surprises by recognizing his ways. And if you do that, you're well on your way to victory. To defeat the enemy and to be more than a conqueror, we must rely on a close walk with the Lord. That's the key this morning, that close walk with him, reading his word and daily fellowshipping him with, in prayer is, is very important. Samuel Chadwick said this, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. The devil fears nothing from prayerless study, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He doesn't fear that. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom. But he trembles when we go to our knees in prayer. And I like that quote. The devil fears when we go to prayer. There are four things I want to mention this morning that we need to remember if you want to live more than a conqueror in Christ. Some of it is borrowed. Uh, some of it comes from my own study. But I, I did want to mention one other thing, a thought. I wanted to mention it sometime in the lesson. I guess maybe this is as good a time as any. Uh, and I, I think it's fitting here. We need to remember this truth. To be more than a conqueror, you must first face a trial. Now, anyone that has ever conquered, conquered some kind of problem, okay? And so if you're going to be a conqueror, if you're going to be more than a conqueror, you must face a trial at some point. And we know with God on our side, there's more with us then be with them. Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And that question is very simple to answer. There's just no one that can be against us if God is for us. All right, so here's four things to remember. If you want to be a conqueror, if you want to be more than a conqueror, here's some four, four things to remember. First of all, Remember, the power for conquering is in Christ and not in us. We can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We can't be more than a conqueror on our own. It's not even worth trying. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not... Of us. Paul reminds us that we're fragile, we're easily broken, but there's value inside of us, and we can have confidence in God and His indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not in our own ability where we get the power to be more than a conqueror, 
the power we get to be more than a conqueror is Christ in us. Let's not forget that. Secondly, we must, must remember that God's grace is sufficient. And I like that, that fact. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, the apostle Paul was afflicted by a thorn in the flesh. All right, now we don't know for sure what it was. You know, scholars have tried to say, well, it might have been this, it may have been that. I don't know. Maybe it was a bunion on his big toe. I, I, who knows what it was? But whatever it was, it was very burdensome to Paul. And it uh, harassed him physically and mentally. Uh, if, you, if you recall in the scripture, three times he begged God to take away the thorn from him. But three times God's answer was the same. What was that answer? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So sometimes we have to go through trials, sometimes which help us to know Christ and his power in a greater way. But ultimately, we have to go through the trial to be more than a conqueror. The third thing to remember is this. Fully surrendering your life to God leads to living supernaturally. Living a fully surrendered life sometimes is difficult because it goes against our human nature. We, we, we like to hold things back. You know, we like to control things. And if you've not fully surrendered everything to Jesus, it's going to be impossible to have that supernatural power for conquering. We must have it. Uh, we like to be in the driver's seat of life. That's just the way we're made up. We think we can do things on our own. Uh, sometimes prayer is a second thought, and God help us with that, that the first thing we do when we have a problem is pray. That should be the first thing we do. God needs to be in the driver's seat of our life. We're very misguided when we say that God is our co-pilot. God is not our co-pilot. God has to be our pilot. Yes. He has to be our pilot. Through trials, he will teach us to focus on things above and not on things on this earth. James 1-2 says, to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So it's important to give God everything if we're going to be more than a conqueror. And then the fourth thing, to remember is the fact that we need to remember where our hope comes from. You know, uh, it seems like in the day in which we live, so many people are without hope. And it, it's easy to understand when you read the things that you read about what's going on in the world. You know, for what it's worth, I, I don't I don't know, but I read uh, yesterday, I believe it was, late last evening, that uh, the World Health Organization, take it for what it's worth, 
claims now that there is a new disease coming to a to your neighborhood soon, and it's called disease X, and they claim it's 20 times worse than COVID. Who knows? You can't you can't trust too many people today. But I will say, when you read something like that, it, you lose some hope. You know, 20 times worse, worse. Look at all the people we lost. I guess the big question is, how do they know that? How do they know that? You know, I might be a conspiracy theorist. I don't, I don't know. My kids probably think I am. But it does make you wonder sometimes if they're trying to kill us, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> uh, and I, I, I'm very careful what I say to my, especially my youngest grandchildren. You know, I don't want them to, I don't want them to hear what I just said about hope, because you know that can really, that can cause some problems. I, I want my grandchildren to think that uh, life is going to be good. Uh, life was good for me. Good for all, probably all of us here. Life was good. We, we remember the good old days. And I, I don't, you know, I, if I were to die this afternoon or die while I'm still up here, I could tell you that I lived a good life and I had enjoyed some good things and some good times and good family. Uh, but we need, we, need to, we need to talk about hope this morning. All right? The world, the world... There just seems like no hope. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The question is, do we have faith and hope in God's promises? And the answer is, yes, we should have faith and hope in God's promises. Even when life gets challenging, we need to cling to those promises, such as found in Romans 8.18, where it says that the sufferings of this present time or this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. One of these days, we have that hope that uh, this present world will be done with and we'll be living in the next. And anything we experience in this life is nothing compared to what is yet to come. Someone said, this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And a life there forever is waiting for us. James said, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And how true that is. Life goes by so quickly. When you're a teenager... It seems like tomorrow will never come. You know, you've been there. Think, well, am I ever going to be able to drive a car? Am I ever going to get to that age? I'm ready to let somebody else drive now. Uh, and, you know, and we, 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 we think life, life just certain things will never happen, never come. But you get to that point when you start going down the other way. And... Uh, it's sobering to think, you know, most of us here probably won't be here in another 20, 25 years, if that long, unless Jesus come. You know, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready any day. 
Our citizenship is in heaven. And at some point, we are going to be more than a conqueror. Even if we struggle with it now, the day is coming that we will be more than conquer. I want to share this little, little story, and then I'm, then I'm finished. I had to really rejoice after seeing this, this story. It's an amazing story. From a great chess player in Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio, comes this story. In the early part of the last century, there was an artist who was also a great chess player. And he painted a picture of a chess game. The players were a young man and the devil. They were the two players that he portrayed in this chess game. The young man played with the white pieces, and Satan played with the black pieces. The rules of the game went this way. Should the young man win the game, he was forever to be free from the power of evil if he won the game against Satan. Should the devil win the game, the young man was to be his slave forever. The artist evidently believed in the supreme power of evil, for his picture presented the devil as the victor. That's what the picture presented. In the conception of the artist, the devil had just moved his queen and had announced a checkmate in only four moves. The devil announced a checkmate. The young man's hand hovered over his rook. His face paled with amazement as he looked at the game and realized he had just been defeated by the devil. There was no hope that he could win the chess game. The devil had won. The young man was to be the devil's slave forever. For years, this picture hung in a great art gallery. Chess players from all over the world came to view the picture. They all agreed with the thought of the artist. The, artist. the devil had won the game. After several years, a chess doubter came in and took a look at the picture. He studied the picture, and he became convinced there was but one chess player upon the earth who could give him assurance that the artist of the picture was right in his conception of the winner. So they brought in a chess player. His name was Paul Morphy. He was a resident of New Orleans, Louisiana. He was a supreme master of chess. He just knew the game. He was undefeated. He was an undefeated chess champion. They brought him into Cincinnati to take a look at the picture. Morphy stood before the painting for five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 20 minutes, and finally 30 minutes he stared at that portrait. He was all concentration. He lifted and lowered his hands as though he were playing the game. Suddenly, his hand paused. His eyes burned with the vision of an unthought-of combination. And suddenly he shouted, Young man, make that move! That's the move! 
to the amazement of all, the old master, the supreme chess player, had discovered a combination that the creating artist did not consider. The young man had actually defeated the devil in that game. Oh, this morning, we can all be more than conquerors if we trust in Christ, knowing this, that trials will come. And remember, we cannot conquer in our own strength, but only through Christ who lives in us. And then we must believe that his grace is sufficient. And we must live a life that's fully surrendered to him and stand on the promises of his word. And we can be more than conquerors this morning. Thank you for your attention.